You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. The second curtain, it was at least four inches thick. There's some scholars that believe it was actually 10 inches thick. This is the curtain that when Jesus died on the cross was torn from top to bottom, from top to bottom, signifying now this is the way and Christ leads the way and he takes us into this most holy place. Scholars also believe, I am not a scholar, but I believe with them that the different sections here represent divisions of the heavenlies. The tabernacle of the Old Testament is perhaps one of the most described items we read about in nearly all of Scripture. The more one goes into a deep study pertaining to each part of the tabernacle, the more amazing the discoveries become. In today's message, Pastor Danny continues to explain the details of the tabernacle and how they directly correlate to our Lord. In his study, you'll learn how each detail plays a role in depicting Christ as our High Priest, our Savior, and our God. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Hebrews chapter 9 with today's edition of The Living Word. Let me read some scriptures for you. I just read Isaiah chapter 11. Now, let me read you from John's Gospel chapter 1. And you got to put your thinking cap on here now. Stay alert. Stay alert. You don't want to miss this. John chapter 1, verse 3. Through him, talking about Jesus the Christ, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. NIV says, but the darkness has not understood it. It's really not a good translation because as I studied that years ago, it really means the darkness has not overcome it. The idea is no matter what happens with the darkness and how deep the darkness, the light's going to keep on shining. That's the idea. Light shines in the darkness, all right? John chapter 8, verse 12. Listen to this. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John chapter 12, verse 35. Jesus said, you're going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. The man who walks in the dark does not know where he's going. Put your trust in the light while you have it so that you may become sons of light. Lots of scriptures great one in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'll start back in verse 2. We've renounced secret, shameful ways. We don't use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves. And even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Colossians talks about how he has rescued us from the dominion or the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of light, light. Psalm 119, uh, verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, that's for daily decisions, and a light unto my path, that's for long-term living. Put your thinking cap on, you got to think about these things. I'm going to give you one more. Jesus said in John's gospel, I'm the true bread that came down from heaven. I'm the true bread that came down from heaven. 
Uh, priests would come in here once a week on the Sabbath day, and they'd bring fresh bread. So you got bread for a week, and then you get fresh bread for the next week, and fresh bread for the next week. Then you come to the altar of incense, the altar of incense. Chapter 7 of Hebrews, verse 25, we saw that Jesus, our great high priest, is ever living to make intercession for us. He's always interceding for us. Let me read you from Revelation chapter 8. Fascinating. You read the book of Revelation, and you'll come to places where John, he sees heaven. He has this vision. He sees heaven. He sees the true tabernacle. He sees the Ark of the Covenant, the real one, in heaven. He sees this glassy sea that's the laver that we saw. And he sees all this stuff. And Revelation chapter 8, he looks and he sees an angel, verse 3, who had a golden censer, and he came and stood at the altar, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. The incense especially speaks of prayer. Jesus, our high priest, he's our light. He's the true bread from heaven. He's the one now that makes intercession for us all the time. And then you go beyond this second curtain. This second curtain, it was at least four inches thick. There's some scholars that believe it was actually 10 inches thick. This is the curtain that when Jesus died on the cross was torn from top to bottom, from top to bottom, signifying now this is the way, and Christ leads the way, and he takes us into this most holy place. Scholars also believe, I am not a scholar, but I believe with them that the different sections here represent divisions of the heavenlies. I'll give you a scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2. Paul said, I don't know if it was in the body or out of the body, but he talks about an experience he had 14 years prior to writing this, and he says, I was caught up to the third heaven. That's where God dwells. That's the most holy place. That's what this typifies. That's what this speaks of. And in this most holy place is the most important piece of furniture in the tabernacle. It's the Ark of the Covenant. The cover for the Ark was made of pure gold. Imagine trying to lift that thing. It had on each end of it, on the top, these angelic creatures, and their wings are upward, and they're facing one another. Psalm 80, verse 1, Psalm 99, verse 1, says that God dwells between the cherubim. He sits. That's, that's his throne. That's his throne. That's what this represents. This is the most holy place where God dwells. In this ark, yeah, you have the golden jar of manna. Jesus, again, the bread from heaven. You follow him in the ark. There's the golden jar of manna. And uh, there's Aaron's staff that budded, and there's the stone tablets, and that's the stone tablets of the Ten Commandments. Now, I'm not going to get bogged down because I got bogged down on those things last night. I want to say one quick word, though, especially about Aaron's staff that budded. That's important. Numbers chapter 16 and 17 tells the story. In Numbers chapter 16, some men named Korah, Dathan, and Abiram led 250 council members under Moses, board members, to rebel. And what, what they were after in their rebellion was the priesthood. And you can read about it, and we'll probably go to it in just a minute. And Moses says, hey, you're Levites, and God's given you your responsibility in his service of worship, but you're trying to get what the law didn't prescribe for you. You're trying to get what's rightfully Aaron's and his son's. Well, they don't listen. God says, okay, we'll deal with this thing. Tell them to come out and meet. 
and bring their sensors, their sensors that they want to use to go where Aaron's supposed to go and Aaron's sons are supposed to go, but they're not supposed to go. So they bring their sensors and God takes care of the problem. And then after taking care of the problem, he takes all those guys' lives. Then chapter 17 of Numbers, he says, now take the staffs of the leaders of Israel and take Aaron's staff. And I'm going to settle this thing once and for all so that we don't have this kind of rebellion again. Lay those staffs before the testimony, and you leave them there overnight. And they come back the next day, and they get all the staffs. Everybody else's staff was just the same. It's just a dead piece of wood. But Aaron's staff had budded and blossomed and produced almonds. And God made clear through that, Aaron's the guy, he's the high priest, and only he and his descendants are to serve me in this worship tabernacle. There's a really important point to that, and I hope you got your thinking caps on and we'll bring it all together in just a little bit. Only Aaron. By the way, the sign of the budding and the blossoming and producing almonds, what is that? That's life from death. That's what it is. That's life from a dead stick, life from death. That's the sign. Aaron's the man and his descendants. Because all this stuff is a parable to teach us. Now, I got bogged down in all this stuff last night, and I went home really depressed. I really did. Nobody's ever coming back to Saturday night service. I'm certain of it. (laughs) The Holy Spirit was showing by this that the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed. Nothing within the regulations of the Old Testament system opened the way for man to enter the most holy place the place where God dwells. Now, if you've been with us in our study, you know that, but I'll say it again. Second from our text, Jesus Christ is the sole mediator of a new covenant by which man can be completely forgiven, have his conscience completely cleared regarding his sin, regarding his guilt. And not only that, you can actually enter the most holy place. You can fellowship with God. And the icing on the cake, (laughs) the icing on the cake, you get the eternal promised inheritance. You're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Everything he has, you get going to get a new body one day that'll never die, that'll never get old, never have pain, going to live in a world, there's no more death, mourning, crying, or pain. I mean, just amazing. Christ's sacrifice was offered once for all, and therefore will never be repeated, nor any other sacrifice added to it. So I hope you get what's happening here. Jesus offered himself. This is the parable. Jesus offered himself. Because he offered himself, we follow him, and because of his sacrifice for us, we're cleansed. Because we're cleansed, We enter in with Jesus. The book of Hebrews encourages its readers to discontinue their reliance on the law, the old way of living. Jesus came to fulfill not only the prophecies of a Savior, but also the law itself. He perfectly lived out every word of it, never wavering, and always showing love and kindness. Jesus then became the sacrificial lamb, the one who would die in your place, so you wouldn't need to face the punishment your sins deserve. His blood paid the price. All you need to do is accept it. Are you ready to take this step of faith? Jesus is ready and waiting for you to step away from your old life with loving arms wide open. 
If you're making a decision for your Savior today, please let us know. We want to pray for you and be available to answer any questions you might have. Please email us at info at ccfstpete.church. That's info at ccfstpete.church. We're so glad that you tuned in today to The Living Word. If you live in the St. Petersburg area, we'd love to meet you too. Come by Calvary Chapel Fellowship on Saturday at 6 p.m. or Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. to worship the Lord and learn from His Word with us. Be sure to stop Pastor Danny and let him know that you're a listener. You'll find more information and directions at ccfstpete.church. If you can't join us in person, you can still be a part of our virtual congregation. Join our live stream at ccfstpete.church. That's all we have for today. Tune in next time for more from this study in the book of Hebrews right here on The Living Word. 